Jones are buckled on Tuesdays. Buck might as well just start with the Florida State controversy not getting in. What side were you on? Uh, you, did you say what side am I on? <laughs> yeah, as far as should or should they have not. Well, here's the deal, Bill. Um, you know an SEC school is going to get in, right? Maybe two. Had to. If it was Bama getting in, and Georgia, by, by way of loss, allowed Bama, and if Bama goes, you have to carry with Texas with them. Now, oh, by the way, Texas is in the SEC next year, so they got two schools in uh, again this year. Nobody really talked about that because of the travesty of not letting Florida State get in there. Had Georgia won, I think it would have been different. You know, the biggest, biggest thing to me is that's really important, and I hate it for the kids at Florida State, but we knew, and uh, I mean, I told everybody before, I said Florida State's going to have to blow them out unfortunately, or have some kind of way that it shows for them to even have a chance. But if you think about it, that college football playoff 14 tournament, there's not going to be uh, an, an SEC, not an SEC school in there. And the SEC folks can, you know, rant and rave all they want. This year was not a great year for the SEC, but it doesn't matter. They have cachet. Alabama started playing well down the stretch. They end up beating Georgia again in a uh, SEC championship, so it wasn't. I wasn't completely shocked, but I felt bad for Florida State. And I'll say this: how how many years in a row have you and I talked about this? And I and people and I used to do this when I go on ESPN shows all the time. The committee is designed to give good losses more cachet than straight wins, especially depending on the conference you're from. But good losses just generally tend to be better in this whole setup. It always has, man. And it finally caught up to a team that hadn't lost a game. And that's what, that's what you play the game for. You had, a, you had your quarterback. I thought their defense, the thing that was lost in this is Verse and the other young man on the defensive line before the state played their butts off. But at the end of the day, what, we, what I thought was going to happen, happened. Charles R. Buckle, each and every Tuesday, joins us. Buck, what else stood out in the league championship games for you? Well, for what I got to watch, I mean, I'll say this. If you haven't had a chance, go back and watch the Montana State-North Dakota State game. For FCS playoffs, that is the way I want our college football playoffs to look. When you have 12 teams, they have 24 now, I think. But we, we had a game that ends on a block. PAT at the very end, outstanding. And this is like the second or third time I've had the opportunity to witness that win or, you know, win or go home kind of mentality. And, you know, the playoffs are going to be even more exciting. I think people say, well, the regular season doesn't matter. I disagree, but we'll see that. Um, I, I think, you know, just what you expected in the Big Ten, you know, Iowa can't score, uh, but they can play really good defense, but not against Michigan. The one that I kind of got a chance to see all of it was the the Pac-12 championship. And I thought that was a a game, again, to beat a team twice in a row and to do it the way Washington was able to do it against Oregon in a conference that's probably top to bottom this year, probably better than any other one as as they're losing their conference affiliation. I thought that game stood out to me. And then, of course, the Georgia-Alabama game, I didn't expect anything less than a, a physical 
dogfight that it became. And unfortunately for the Bulldog fans, they didn't it didn't go their way. But for Alabama, Nick has got his guys playing the you know some some really good football down the stretch, especially that offensive line. The difference in their offensive line now versus early in the year, no comparison. And I think their defense is really starting to step up now, play much better than they were. Kalen DeBoer, if you go back to his first head coaching job at Sioux Falls, Buck has lost a total of 11 games in his life. Bill, I, I would hire Kalen DeBoer tomorrow <laughs> for any team I got, dude. Any I team. You hear me? Any yep. team. I don't care who it is. I tell people that all the time. They, you, I'm glad you brought that record up in him. I have been telling people how good Kalen DeBoer is as a coach, uh, a leader. You can just see how guys love playing for him. I mean, he gets guys to play hard. They care about it. And, I, I mean, that's the kind of coach you want. And he's a great X and O guy. And gets, his, his coaches seem to, to really coach well, man. So I'm, I'm happy for, for, for UW Nation. I mean, we, we battled those dogs, man, back in the, in the Pac-10 days. But I always respected their fans. I always respected how they looked at the game. And I always respected that they were, you know, some of those schools on the West Coast were allowing black players to play earlier than you would see in the South. And Warren Moon getting a big quarterback up there. But just a, a lot of that I loved, loved about Washington, they recruited me late. But if they had started earlier, their tradition for tight ends, it would have been hard to say no because that, that Pacific Northwest in Seattle is a beautiful place. Uh, and I think he's got them rolling right now. Question here on Twitter, how would Cam Ward fit in at Ohio State? Now, he isn't committed there, but but there's talk that they're one of them in the running. Yeah, I, I think Cam Ward's a really, really good player. Um, you know, the, the thing that you're seeing on that Washington State and Oregon State team, for both of them, you're losing, you're losing coaches and players because the affiliation with the conference. Um, I think he'll fit, he fits in anywhere. Um, I, I got a chance to see him early in the year against UCLA, and they did a really nice job defensively against them. But when you watch tape on him, uh, very good thrower on the move, very athletic, uh, and, and, and just, you know, they, they seem to really do well with him at Wazoo. It wasn't a season, I think, that they anticipated. They had some injuries and some other things that happened to them as a, as a unit. But I think he would fit in pretty much any offense. You, you can plug him in and, and get him as a dual-threat guy, but he can also throw the ball pretty effectively. And, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if, if, if Ohio State and a host of other schools aren't looking at him and talking to him. Buck, a couple of minutes before the show on Monday, the Kyle McCord news hit. He's in the portal. Do you think he was told we're going to be out shopping and we can't promise you the future? Or do you think he was told you're definitely not going to be our starter? I don't know if it was a little bit of both, Bill. I saw the press conference with Ryan Day. And, and let me just help people understand. When you're told by programs, fortunately for me, I never was, right? I, I'm glad and until I got to the pros. When they cut you, that's when they tell you, get your ass out of here, go get the garbage bag we got for you or two, and take all your stuff and don't come back in here other than to say hi to the fellows occasionally. That happens in the pros. Right. It happens in college also. It's just it was done differently years ago because you didn't have a chance to transfer like the transfer portal has opened up. I've had many a guys that have had conversations due to injury, due to the coaches not feeling comfortable in their play, not fitting in their scheme. 
uh, new staff coming in, being told, hey, we like you, you can stay here, but you may not ever play here. And as a young competitor, no matter, you know, what age or, you know, what it is, you, you, you hear that and you say, not going to let me play. So I, I think it, it had to be some of both. It had to be some of both. And it just goes to show you in those rivalry games how difficult it is for not only the players, but the coaches and the program and everything else. When you lose to your rival, and they've done that three years now, that's not easy. And it, 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 as much as you, know, you love the Buckeye Nation and everything else, think about this. Think about the quarterbacks that have come through there that didn't actually stay and had to leave. And, not, and, and, and they had co- competition and other guys beating people out. But Joe Burrow was another one that ended up at LSU. I'm not comparing uh, Kyle McCord's talent to Joe Burrow, but I'm just saying it happens when you have a room with three or four quarterbacks that are highly competitive and you have to make a decision. And then you, oh, by the way, get guys that move from other places where they couldn't play. So I, I, I tend to think there had to be a, a mix of both. I, I don't know if we'll ever know the full story, but that's just what I think from how that read and a few things that you've read out of there from uh, Ryan Day and also some of his press conferences leading up to the bowl game. Buck is from Houston. Buck, I have to ask you, do we now have firm confirmation that Texas is back? Have they arrived? <laughs> hey, Bill, I'm going to tell you, they, they look awful doggone good. Now, this Washington-Texas game is, in, is intriguing as all get out. I mean, I – you know, I was. I thought Washington should have got a chance to be number one. They can end up playing in the in the pack in the Rose Bowl. Michigan, whether you love them or hate them, um, you know I know because they beat Ohio State, and I know because they beat Iowa. But Washington strength the schedule in the way they played down the stretch. But with that said, that game right there, that's going to be a good game, <laughs> and oh, yeah. I, I think it'll tell us a lot about Texas, and it'll tell us a lot about Washington, who. Uh, they have to play much better up front because Texas. This is where Texas is back, Bill. That offensive line is nasty. They, they're back to where they used to be there, and that defensive front. Um, those dogs gonna eat. They're gonna hunt. And I think if you can't, if you're not ready for that up front with them now, and with Sark able to call plays the way he wants to dial them up, you're gonna be in a world of hurt if you ain't ready for it. So I don't know if they're back, but I know their offense and defensive line. I don't want to mess with them boys this time of year with the way they're playing and the way they're flying around the football. Those two D tackles might be the stingiest pair in America. They are stout, man. <laughs> Bill, and they're not only that, I was talking to my former college roommate, Reggie Moore, who's at Prairie View. Reggie is down there. Prairie View got beat by FAMU in the championship game, but they you know played well this year. And he said he was at a camp with those guys, and he said, "Buck, those." He said, "Those D tackles and the D line." And when I looked at him, he said, "My God, dog!" He said, "These are monsters." And he said they were still young, but you could just tell looking at them, like, "Oh my goodness!" And and you can see it now that they have finally started to get the guys that are five stars, but play like they ain't got no stars and want to go. They want to get to the next level. It's like the Texas of old where you had guys that would come out of those country towns or those towns by the big city, and they knew how to play. It wasn't a, 
oh, I think he can play or does he want to play? No, they want to play. And that's the biggest difference I see between them. And I think they're smart. They're doing it before they get to the SEC because you can't wait till you get there. you got to do it before you get in that conference. And I think Sark and the staff have done a really nice job of, of using that to their advantage. And it's going to make it difficult for A&M, who now has Mike Elko. And I think Elko's a, a great coach. But now you got that competition between the two two schools that and they don't like each other a lot. You know, they don't have a lot of love for each other in College Station and uh, Austin, Texas. Caleb Williams, not shockingly, will not play in the bowl game. Yeah, um, we're seeing more and more of this, uh, and I don't, I don't think it's surprising uh, with his value. Here's the thing: if you're if you're making a business decision, the best one is to be in a position where you don't injure yourself, especially if you look at last night, the Jaguars game, where, you know, quarterback like, um, you know, the uh, kid from Clemson's name escapes me right now, uh, Trevor Lawrence, goes back, his, his, defensive, his offensive lineman steps on his ankle, and it didn't look good, right? Those are the kind of things that happen, and especially if you're, you're thinking about moving on this year, it, it probably behooves him not to play. Uh, I, don't, I know fans don't want to hear that, but the way the system is set up, and the way these guys are making just as much money right now as a placeholder until they get to the next level, especially with the quarterback position, I wasn't shocked. Uh, and he has, and his team hasn't played particularly well. And quite honestly, he hasn't played well. So why would you put some more bad stuff on tape when you already know you're going to be a top five, top ten pick? Just I'm just I'm I'm telling people what the truth is. I, I know what you want to hear and tell. We you know for the love of the game and the tradition, man. I, that's not going to happen anymore. And basically, uh, he's in a position where he still can command high, high round dollars. And why would you want to uh, take a chance at that when your team hasn't been very good? Buck, maybe a minute. Riley Leonard is visiting Notre Dame starting tomorrow. It's been thought that they were the leader. How would he fit in if indeed he chooses them? Man, he, he would be really good up there, Bill. Riley Leonard is a really good quarterback, still learning how to pass the ball. But I think the one thing for him is his athleticism, his basketball background, but also what he can do uh, when he gets out in open space. Notre Dame would be, you know, not only have the, the Wake Forest quarterback, Sam Hartman, from, you know, last year, now you get another North Carolina kid or North Carolina uh, area uh, football player in Riley Leonard. I don't think you'd be disappointed in the, in the opportunity to make your offense better. I think that's a good – I mean, if Notre Dame can get him, I think that's a really good good get for them. They open up at College Station. Notre Dame at a <laughs> How about that? Well, and that's what I said. I heard that, you know, if Elko is still in the mix, he might have a shot at him. The only thing is, let's follow and see where that, that Duke offensive staff or quarterbacks coach goes or anybody from there, because that could kind of tell you what may happen. I, it's interesting how this stuff gets, right? This free agency in college football, uh, in air quotes, free agency, gets really interesting this time of year once the portal opens up. Mark, appreciate it, sir. We'll see you next week. All right, man. Y'all have a good one. Thanks. There is Charles R. Buckle on Tuesdays joins us. No Griff today because he joined us Monday. Gator Dave later, hour two. Omni National Hotel.